Uh, 1 Corinthians 10 verse 11 says, these things happen to them as examples and were written down as warnings for us on whom the culmination of the ages has come. So if you think you are standing firm, this is the theme verse uh, for our study today, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. And as a result, Peter says in 1 Peter 5, verse 6, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. You know, during the pandemic, we have heard um, stories. I just was in connection with somebody who had talked to somebody from the National Association of Evangelicals. So they've got a bird's eye view, a 30,000 foot view of what's going on in churches all across America. And it's, it's very concerning. During the pandemic, so many churches across our nation are closing their doors or they're laying off staff, uh, sometimes severely or drastically cutting their budgets and greatly reducing their ministry and outreach. And I just want you to know as your pastor, I am so grateful for the way that you have hung tough during these hard times. Your support has been un unwavering. And I'm so, so grateful to be your pastor and how we've been able to continue uh, full on with our ministry, in some ways greater ministry during the pandemic than any other time in our 150 year history. So before we get into our study today, I just want to praise God and I want to thank you for how powerfully God continues to use you. Our 150th year as a church has been maybe our hardest year, but you have hung tough and your support uh, financially and through prayer and through involvement has just been unwavering. And I am so, so grateful. I just want to give you one example of what I'm talking about. And there are so many, I actually, for the sake of time, had to cut a bunch of examples that are just as cool as the one I'm going to share with you. But here's just one that's the tip of the iceberg. Over the past five years, we've had over 2,000 people's lives uh, impacted by Rooted in our church. And Rooted began in Kenya with Pastor Marathi in Nairobi, uh, Kenya. And Pastor Greg from our church and the Purpose Church uh, team have developed a close relationship with his church, the Muvano Church in Kenya. And during this same time, Pastor Ashraf uh, from our church has established our Arabic ministry here at Purpose Church with our Arabic services that are streamed live, Ashraf's broadcast satellite teaching during the week, and the books he's published. There are already 22 Arabic-speaking countries that are being reached uh, through Pastor Ashraf, our Arabic ministry, and our church, uh, 22 Arabic-speaking countries that are being reached today. And now Rooted has been translated into 10 different languages so far, but never into uh, Arabic. It's never been translated into Arabic. So during September, our Purpose Church team and Pastor Marathi have been in conversations with each other. And this morning, I can announce to you that Pastor Ashraf and our Purpose Church team will be translating Rooted into Arabic in order to reach Arabic speakers all around the world. This is, is happening because of your financial support, because of your prayers, because your involvement in this church. And now Rooted, that has had such an impact here and uh, in many different places around the world, now will be translated through our church in cooperation with our church and Pastor Ashraf into Arabic so that it can also be used in Arabic countries uh, that don't have anything like this 
all around the world. God is using you in such an amazing way. And then here at home, uh, we have outgrown our outdoor service. So next Sunday, we're going to go to two outdoor services, a traditional service at 8.30 and a contemporary outdoor service uh, at 10.30, a contemporary one at 10.30 with children's ministry at 10.30. So 8.30 traditional, 10.30 contemporary uh, with children's ministries. And of course, we'll continue our online services at 8.30, uh, 9.45, 11.11 with on-demand at the conclusion of the 11.11 service. Now this is just the tip of the iceberg of what God is doing in and through Purpose Church. And I wanna encourage us as a church to finish the year strong with a strong fourth quarter. Uh, Maybe you've seen in football games, when you come to the fourth quarter, the players hold up a four at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So today is October 4th, and we are entering into the fourth and final quarter of this unprecedented year, 2020. October, November, December, fourth quarter. And so what I want you to do, wherever you're watching this from right now, wherever you are in your living room or at your computer or wherever you might be, hold up a four. Would you do that with me? Purpose Church all across the Inland Valley, all across Southern California or even different places in the country or around the world where you're watching this right now, hold up a four. We are going into the fourth quarter and we want it to be a strong one. As we move into the fall, I want to just thank you so much for your generosity, especially during uh, the last six months. Uh, Despite the uncertainty of COVID-19, you have been so faithful in your giving. And as a result, we've been able to respond to needs in our church family and in our community in just unprecedented ways, all the while adapting to the new ways of doing ministry in a pandemic. This fall, we are continuing to adapt our ministries and relaunching programs that will reach people for Christ and disciple as followers. The next three months, the the fourth quarter, the next three months are a critical time of ministry. And we want to take advantage of every opportunity that God gives to us. Uh, This means that we're also at a critical time uh, for income. As this last quarter, this fourth quarter, is typically when we receive additional giving that helps to fund our ministries and prepares us to go strong into the coming year. And so as a a part of Purpose Church, would you please prayerfully consider what you can give during the fourth quarter, uh, hold up that four, uh, during the last three months of this year, what you can give to help us to reach our ministry goals, and most importantly, to reach our world for Christ. Your tithes and offerings really do make a difference for the church and for eternity, and to fulfill our vision, our purpose of everyone everywhere, Uh, following Jesus. Now let's continue our fall series entitled, Here Comes a Comeback. And today we're going to look at Joshua, the man who came back from success. You say, okay, Pastor Glenn, what are you talking about? Who needs to come back from success? You just want to sit in success. You want to stay at a place of success. And yet success can be a very, very dangerous time, uh, spiritually and even in other parts of our life as well. It's been said that for every hundred people who can handle adversity, there is only one who can handle success. For every hundred people that can handle adversity, there's only one that can handle success. Nelson Mandela writes, do not judge me by my successes. Judge me by how many times I fell down 
and got back up again. Uh, from an anonymous source, never let success get to your head. Never let failure get to your heart. Never let success get to your head, but never let failure get to your heart. I love that. Poe Bronson, I like this quote too. Failure is hard, but success is far more dangerous. If you're successful at the wrong thing, the mix of praise and money and opportunity can lock you in forever. I love this quote by Bill Gates. He says, success is a lousy teacher. It seduces smart people into thinking they can't lose. And then the best one of all is Han Solo uh, when he says to Luke Skywalker, great kid, now don't get cocky. Great kid, that's what God's saying to us this morning when you have success or a victory, now don't get cocky. And we pick up the story of Joshua and the nation of Israel as they're about to have one of their biggest victories. Uh, but before they go into this victory over the city of Jericho, they get a warning before they go into battle that they are not to do any plundering of the resources of Jericho. And we're gonna look later in the message about the first fruits principle, where the, the plunder from the first city as they did the conquest of the promised land, that was supposed to go to God according to what we call the first fruits uh, principle. Uh, everything that was taken in this first city was to be given to God. None was to be taken for themselves. Now the rest of the conquest, they could take it for themselves. But that first fruits, the first city, the plunder, uh, the, the reward, from that, the resources were to go to God. And so we pick up that warning right before the battle of Jericho in verse 17 of chapter 6. The city and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord, but keep away from the devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you'll make the camp of Israel liable to destruction and bring trouble on it. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. When the trumpet sounded, the army shouted, and at the sound of the trumpet, when the men gave a loud shout, the wall, the walls of Jericho collapsed. So everyone charged straight in and they took the city. Now this was the greatest victory, possibly the greatest victory in all of Israel's history. And it says at the conclusion of this passage in verse 27, so the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. It was a time of great success, a time of great victory. Uh, the Lord was with Joshua and his fame spread throughout the land. Now in an older translation, uh, this is the first time that motorcycles are mentioned in the Bible. And in older translations, it says Joshua's triumph was heard throughout the land. First mention of motorcycles in the Bible, Joshua's triumph was heard throughout the land. Now, you know, the beautiful thing about me being in the worship center preaching all by myself is I just imagine all of you laughing your heads off. I can tell a joke like that and I don't face the reality of people groaning instead of laughing. I just envision you right now uh, laughing hard at jo Joshua's triumph was heard throughout the land. Now this is one of Israel's greatest victories, but it's about to be followed by one of uh, Israel's greatest defeats. And so the rest of our message, I want to talk about this biblical principle, how to avoid what I call the AI syndrome. How to, uh, that's not artificial intelligence, uh, that's a town that we're going to look at. How to avoid the AI syndrome. 
And I want to just tell you um, that personally, practically, I think I may use this story in my life more than any other story of the Bible. You're going to go, Glenn, that's a totally weird story. It's very obscure, very obscure story. But this story I have found so practical with, within my life. Uh, here's why. why. Uh, it's hard to remember biblical principles when you're in the middle of a temptation. When you're in the middle of a temptation, uh, you've, uh, you've gone through success or victory and there's this cha- there's temptation to get uh, dependent upon yourself, to be overconfident, to be cocky, and to get into trouble. It's hard to remember biblical principles when you face a temptation or in the middle of a temptation. But you can remember a story. I find it hard to remember principles, but I can remember a story. Why can you remember a scene from a movie decades after you saw it? More than you can remember something you may have just read on a page or you just uh, heard somebody say. And this story of, the, of AI, Jericho followed by AI, has helped me more than about any other story in my Christian life. Because whenever I get into a situation where I'm overconfident, depending on myself instead of God, I think to myself, remember AI. Don't be defeated by AI after defeating Jericho. After a big success, don't fall uh, to a smaller situation. How to avoid the AI syndrome. Uh, Number one, be especially cautious after a victory or a time of success. Be especially cautious and humble before the Lord, dependent upon God, uh, after a victory or after a time of success. Hosea 13, verse 6, God says, When I fed them, God is talking about us, his people. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud. Then they forgot me. Oh, how many times have I seen that repeated? Maybe 10,000 times in my walk with Jesus have I seen this cycle. God feeds me. I get satisfied. And then when I'm satisfied, I become proud, thinking I did this. I can depend on myself. I don't need to depend on God. And then I forget God. And this is the cycle we see happening with uh, Israel defeating Jericho and then being defeated by by AI. I heard somebody say once, the reason we Christians are in trouble so much is that this is the only time that God hears from us. The reason we Christians are in trouble so much is that this is the only time that God hears from us. How many times do you hear from your kids that have moved away from home? Maybe they're away at college, they're away at school or something. When do you hear from them? When they're in trouble or when they need money? Uh, Then they phone home. And the same thing is true with us and God. It's when we're in trouble, that's when he hears from us. The reason we Christians are in trouble so much is that this is the only time God hears uh, from us. And we're gonna see that in this story. Here's a map of this time period, about 1400 BC. We're talking about 3,400 years ago. And so they conquer the big city of Jericho, huge, huge city, powerful city of Jericho, and now they're going against the tiny little, not powerful city of Ai. And you can see why they got overconfident. It's like an army that defeats Los Angeles, and now they come to Barstow. They, the, the, the army comes, you're leading this army, you've defeated Los Angeles, and now you march and you come to Barstow. And so it's just as if this is Los Angeles, Jericho, and AI is Barstow. So you can understand why they got overconfident. Let's pick it up with chapter 7, verse 1. 
but the Israelites were unfaithful in regard to the devoted things. Remember, God told them, don't take any of the plunder from Jericho, but they were disobedient. At least one man was. Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned. Now, this is interesting, not just against Achan. His sin caused God to be angry with all of Israel, not just Achan, but the entire uh, nation. Uh, verse 2, now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Beth Haven, to the east of Bethel, and told them, go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, now watch this, not all the army will have to go up against Ai. Send two or 3,000 men to take it, and do not weary the whole army, for only a few people live there. Do you sense the overconfidence when they come to Ai? Uh, verse four, so about 3,000 went up, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 36 of them. They chased the Israelites from the city gate as far as the stone quarries and struck them down on the slopes. At this, the hearts of the people melted in fear and became like water. Now here's the second thing. Number one, be especially cautious after a big victory or a time of success. Now number two, readily admit your failure, bring it to God, and get to the bottom of it. They could have denied their failure. They could have ignored it. But instead, they got to the bottom of it. It's like a warning light in your car. You can deny it, you can ignore it, or you can take it straight to the mechanic. It's like certain medical health symptoms that you might have. You can deny it, you can ignore it, and you, or you can go straight to the doctor. Or it's like failure because of sin in our lives. We can deny it, we can ignore it, or we can go straight to God with it. Proverbs 28 verse 13 says, whoever conceals their sins does not prosper, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. And that's what Israel is gonna do here. Uh, continuing the story with verse six. Then Joshua tore his clothes and fell face down to the ground before the ark of the Lord, remaining there till evening. The elders of Israel did the same thing and sprinkled dust on their heads. And Joshua said, Alas, sovereign Lord, why did you ever bring this people across the Jordan to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us? If only we had been content to stay on the other side of the Jordan. Pardon your servant, Lord. What can I say now that Israel has been routed by its enemies? The Canaanites and the other people of the country will hear about this and they will surround us and wipe out our name from the earth. What then will you do for your own great name? The Lord said to Joshua, stand up. What are you doing down on your faith? face? Israel has sinned. They have violated my covenant, which I commanded them to keep. They have taken some of the devoted things. They have stolen. They have lied. They have put them with their own possessions. That is why the Israelites cannot stand against their enemies. They turn their backs and run because they have been made liable to destruction. I will not be with you anymore because you destroy, uh, unless you destroy, whatever among you is devoted uh, to destruction. Um, then we come to number three, the third principle here. 
Uh, we're humble and we're cautious after a time of great success and victory. Um, we uh, take, when we find out our sin and we discover our failure, we take it straight to God and get to the bottom of it. And then number three, realize the impact your actions have on others. Did you notice uh, it was just one guy, Achan, that sinned and yet it brought trouble on the entire nation of Israel. Realize the impact uh, for good or for bad that your actions have on other people. Your life is way more impactful, way more consequential than you realize. Everything you do as you follow Jesus has tremendous ripple effect. It will echo uh, what we do here on earth, echoes into eternity. And every single thing we do, everything we say, everything we think, everything we do has tremendous impact uh, on other people beyond ourselves. We won't fully realize that until we get to heaven. Realize the impact your actions have on others. And so in verse 13, Joshua says, go consecrate the people. Tell them, consecrate yourselves in preparation for tomorrow. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. There are devoted things among you, Israel. You cannot stand against your enemies until you remove them. In the morning, present yourselves tribe by tribe. The tribe the Lord chooses shall come forward clan by clan. The clan the Lord chooses shall come forward family by family. And the family the Lord chooses shall come forward man by man. Whoever is caught with the devoted things shall be destroyed by fire along with all that belongs to him. He has violated the covenant of the Lord and has done an outrageous thing in Israel." Early the next morning, Joshua had Israel come forward by tribes and Judah was chosen. The clans of Judah came forward and the Zerahites were chosen. He had the clan of the Zerahites come forward by families and Zimri was chosen. Joshua had his family come forward man by man and Achan, son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah of the tribe of Judah was chosen. Realize the impact that our actions have on other people. Uh, last Sunday, Pastor Eric preached just a tremendous sermon, um, uh, and, and, and that was the last point that he made about the impact our actions have on others. Now, he talked about the positive impact of the life of Esther. Esther, uh, just this young girl Esther, her, her little actions had huge benefit to other people. Now we're looking at the other side of the coin. And the negative impact, the positive impact, last Sunday Eric talked about from the life of Esther. Today we're looking at the negative impact of the life of this one man, Achan. And Eric said that our lives are like a rock thrown into a, a pond that's smooth water and calm water. And you see that rock go in and the ripples go out from it there on that pond. And the same thing is true in our lives. When we serve and are obedient to Christ, the positive impact ripples out from our lives, but our disobedience also has an impact and ripples out from our lives. And if our impact has been negative, here's the good news. We can change it. We can repent and have a positive impact. If we're having a negative impact on others, we can repent. We can say, God, change my direction so that now my actions will have a positive impact on others. A great example of this is Alfred Nobel. He was the, his most famous invention, he invented many things, but his most famous invention was dynamite, which was used for good purposes. You could use it for mining, you could use it for blowing up a stump in a field so that you could plant crops in that field. But he also invented some military explosives which were used in the weapons of that day. 
And on April 12, 1888, his brother died and a French newspaper accidentally got mixed up and thought that it was Alfred Nobel that had died and not his brother. And so this French newspaper accidentally published his obituary. So he had a chance to read his obituary eight years before he actually died. He didn't die till eight years later. And here's what the French newspaper said. Its headlines were, the merchant of death is dead. And it went on to say, Dr. Alfred Nobel, who became rich by finding ways to kill more people faster than ever before, died yesterday. Now, when he read that obituary, he was distraught. And so he said, I've got to change my legacy. I've got to change my impact. And so he took, he was uh, single, he had never married, didn't have any children, nobody to leave his money to, so he took almost all of the money he had, and it was a, he was a very wealthy man, and he established what we know today as the Nobel Prizes. So today, when you hear the name Alfred Nobel, you don't think of the merchant of death, but you think of the Nobel Prizes in chemistry, literature, peace, physics, and medicine. Uh, and then number four, fourth thing, is don't mess around with God's property. Uh, verse 19, then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, and honor him. Tell me what you've done. Do not hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I have done. Now, you know, I believe that because he immediately confessed his sin, I believe Achan is going to be in heaven. I think we're going to be with, Achan is going to be with us in heaven. I believe that because he immediately repented. Now, there are tremendous consequences he still has to suffer. He's going to lose his life. He's going to lose everything within his life. He's going to lose it all as a consequence of his sin. But because this is his immediate response, it is true. I've sinned against the Lord, the God of Israel. This is what I've done. Because he had that response, I believe he's going to be in heaven, even though there are going to be terrible consequences uh, for his sin. He said, this, this is what I've done. When I saw in the plunder a beautiful robe from Babylonia, 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels, I coveted them and took them. They're hidden in the ground inside my tent with the silver underneath. So Joshua sent messengers and they ran to the tent and there it was hidden in his tent with the silver underneath. They took the things from the tent, brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites and spread them out before the Lord. Then Joshua, together with all Israel, took Achan, son of Zerah, the silver, the robe, the gold bar, his sons and daughters, his cattle, donkeys and sheep, his tent and all that he had to the valley of Achor. And Achor in the Hebrew means trouble. Verse 25, Joshua said, why have you brought this trouble on us? The Lord will bring trouble on you today. Then all Israel stoned him, and after they had stoned the rest, they burned them. Over Achan, they heaped up a large pile of rocks, which remains to this day. Then the Lord turned from his fierce anger. Therefore, that place has been called the Valley of Achor, the Valley of Trouble, uh, ever, ever since. Don't mess around with God's property. God wants the first fruits. This is what we call the first fruits principle in the Bible. It's one of the most important principles in all of God's word. 
And the first fruits principle goes like this. Whatever you want God to bless, give him the first of it, and he will bless the rest. Whatever in your life you want God to bless, give him the first of it, and he will bless the rest. And by giving him the first fruits, you are trusting him to provide the rest for you. For example, your time. Here you are uh, joining us online for this service. You've given him the first hour of the first day, Sunday, the first day of the week. You've, you've given him. You have so many things you could be doing or you should be doing right now. But you've given him the first fruits of this week by giving him the first hour of the first day. And you're trusting him that he's going to expand your time to help you get everything else done for the remainder of the week. How about your income? Uh, you give him the first tithe or the first 10% of your income and trust him that he will meet your needs with the remaining uh, 90%. Jesus said in Matthew 6, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Uh, Hebrews 10, verse 25, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing but encouraging one another. You know, one of the things as my wonderful, precious church family that I worry about as your pastor, uh, one of the things that COVID has done to us is it getting us out of the habit of giving God that first hour of the first day of the week on Sunday, or at least uh, some, if you work on Sunday, some other day, are you giving him uh, some other day to worship him, to seek him? Are you, are you regularly joining us online or are you regularly coming here to one of our outdoor services? It says that even in the first century church, some of them were getting out of the habit of doing that. And I so worry that one of the consequences or results of COVID and the pandemic is that we are getting out of the habit of gathering together. And as your pastor, I just want to challenge you that, to, to not lose that habit. This is how we stay strong in following the Lord. This is, this is how we get God's blessing on the rest of our time when we give him the first fruits of our time to worship him and to pursue him. The same is true in our finances. Malachi chapter 3, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse, your whole nation, because you are robbing me. Uh, verse 10, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. Test me in this. Test me. I will take care of you. Trust me with the first fruits of your income and test me in this and trust me that I will provide with the remainder of it when you trust me with the first fruits. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. And so here's how we overcome the AI syndrome. Here's how we come back from success that sometimes leads to failure and we come back from that success which is followed by failure which is then followed by success once again. And that's what we see in this story. They were successful against Jericho. They failed against AI. But then they came back 
and we're successful once again. How do we overcome the AI syndrome? Number one, be especially cautious after a victory. Number two, readily admit your failure. Bring it to God and get to the bottom of it. Number three, realize the impact your actions have on others. And number four, don't mess around with God's property. If you do these things, then your defeat at AI can be turned into victory at AI. And you can fulfill God's purpose for your life and be successful in any season of your life. I'm gonna close with a video. Seems a little bit unusual in October to be doing something about graduation. But it talks about when we, when we get humbled, we go through success, we forget about God, then we face failure. When we come back and get on our feet once again, we have a deeper appreciation for what truly success is, what really matters in life, what the purposes and, and God has called us to. And we get a greater sense of pursuing the fruits of the Holy Spirit uh, as, the, as being real success rather than things that are just uh, temporary success. And you can fulfill God's purpose for your life and be successful in any season of your life. Here comes the comeback. Joshua 8, verse 1. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. And I say to you, if you've experienced some failure in your life, don't be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Don't be discouraged. Take the whole army with you. This time, you notice how they've been humbled? Last time, ah, take a few people. It's no big deal. He says, take the whole army with you this time. Don't be overconfident. Be dependent upon God. Bring it your best in every situation. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. Joshua, the man who came back from success, went through failure, but came back with a deeper dependence upon God in a new way of counting success as he continues the conquest of the promised land that God had given to Israel and that God wants to give to you and to me as well.